Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show hosted by me, Christy Demetrakis, the Empowered Speaker. I'm the president and founder of the Empowered Speaker, a company focused on teaching people the power of dreams and purpose and the importance of faith in conquering the fears that limit us from reaching our highest potential. I'm also the author of Faith to Conquer Fear, Inspiration to Achieve Your Dreams. You can find out more about my services and my book at www.empoweredspeaker.com. For those of you who may be listening to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show for the first time, here's what you can expect. This show will provide guests who will motivate you, inspire you, and give you tools to activate your goals and dreams, whether those dreams are entrepreneurial, corporate, or personal. And today I have a special guest to help me do just that. Maxwell Ivy is a 49-year-old blind gentleman who grew up in a family of carnival owners. All he ever wanted to do was to continue in his father's and grandfather's footsteps and be a part of the family business. That isn't where he ended up. He did help in the business over the years, but couldn't sustain it after the early death of his father, who had lung cancer. He then turned to helping people sell their amusement equipment on his website called the Midway Marketplace. Maxwell started blogging to promote that site and met a lot of wonderful people in the blogosphere. They told him he had an amazing story, and many commented on how, in, how he inspired them. So he started this second blog called Just Ask at TheBlindBlogger.net, and in it he shares more of his personal journey, struggles, and triumphs. Maxwell lost over 250 pounds through a combination of gastric surgery, diet, exercise, positive attitude, meditation, and prayer. He also got noticed by a lot of people and has appeared as a guest, an interview subject, and a motivator on many different sites. Maxwell offers coaching to help people who are stuck and frustrated with not being able to find their passion or follow their dreams once they have determined what they want in their lives. He is also available to speak to groups. Maxwell Ivey, welcome to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show. Well, thank you, Christian. I'm really happy to be on the show, and I'm looking forward to us having a great conversation, and hopefully we can inspire and motivate some people to, to take action t today. Awesome. That is exactly what it's about, right? I mean, I think so often we 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 get a short-term jolt of, hey, I want to go and do something different, and then no action. And I'm all about action, so I'm, I'm loving uh, the setup for this show. Maxwell, I always start by asking my guests to tell us something about themselves that is not in their bio. So what would you say to that? Uh, I'm not exactly sure if this is in my bio or not, but there's part of it that isn't for sure. Um, I am a uh, one of the one of the few totally or legally blind Eagle Scouts in the country. Uh, I received my court of honor on August 22nd, 1984, and. Uh, it took me about three and a half years. I was in a, a troop of uh, visually impaired uh, and blind people in the Houston area, Troop 962, the Eagle Patrol. Uh, and the very first event I ever went to with this scouting troop was a uh, was an annual fishing thing they did at uh, Lake Livingston in, near Houston, Texas. And uh, my first event with them, we sank the boat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, here we have the Houston Telephone Pioneers. They've all got these great fancy fa uh, bass fishing boats, and uh, you know they've got thousands of dollars invested in their tackle and their rods and stuff, and they're taking us out fishing. And apparently, what happened is the they they I don't know if they still use them or not, but they used to use two piece hulls on these boats, and there would be a a, a, 
a cork or something between the two pieces to keep water from getting in between the two parts of the hull. And somehow in launching the boat that morning, one of those came loose. And so the whole day there's water sleeping into oh, the inside of the boat goodness. until eventually somebody noticed, hey, we're sitting lower in the water than we should be. <laughs> But and and you know it was my first time fishing from a boat uh -huh. and uh, I was a little nervous about being out on a boat in the first place. Uh, we had caught three or four fish apiece, so it was a pretty good day up until then. <laughs> but but yeah, but here's the best part about the story: the guy that we were with was a very uh, positive person. He didn't let the fact that he had to have his boat towed in and lost a bunch of his stuff get him down. He took us over to the dock and taught us how to cast properly, and we didn't catch anything the rest of the day. But he said. You know, he 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 believed that we were going to catch something, even from the dock, so we believed. And then at the end of the day, everybody else brought their fish in. We had a big old fish fry and, you know, sang some songs and hung out together. And it, was, it ended up being a great day because of the people involved and the yeah. fact that nobody was willing to let it be a bad day just mm -hmm. because something bad happened. Oh, that's a great message right there, isn't it? Oh, yeah. What a great oh, yeah. story. What a great story. Maxwell, have you always been blind? Uh, no, I was born with perfect vision. Uh, about age four, I started losing it. Um, I lost it gradually up until I was about 12 or 13 when I had a, a large drop-off in vision. I have retinitis pigmentosa, which is a hereditary disease that attacks the retina. And it's pretty common for men to have a big drop-off in vision when they go through puberty. Mm -hmm. My vision stayed pretty constant until I was in like 19, 20 years old, and then I lost quite a bit more. Now, technically, I have light perception, but I refer to myself as, as blind or totally blind because it makes the conversation simpler and because I have no functional vision. So to me, uh, that's an accurate, truthful description of what vision I have. Mm -hmm. So you went through phases of wearing the glasses and all of this until finally you got to a place where even that didn't doesn't help yeah, you. Right. Yeah, I, I wore the patches to try to make the one eye stronger mm -hmm. because one was weak. I wore different sized glasses to the point where, uh, you know, a pair, a pair of my glasses, the last pair I had probably weighed about four pounds. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had the the wrinkles on my nose and my ears from, from supporting the weight of the glasses. I'm sure you've seen people that have those. Uh, I've, I've, in my lifetime, I've gone from, re, from reading regular print to large print to using a closed-circuit monitor that enlarges the print and puts it up on a television screen. Uh, to having to read Braille and listen to books on uh, audio cassette. Mm -hmm. And now recently even that changed where the Library of Congress's National Library Services for the Blind program is using a digital audio download system. So even uh, even when you get to something where you think you're, you know, pretty much set that that's the way you're going to be doing it from now on, even mm -hmm. then it changes, mm -hmm. so, you know. Yeah. And now, of course, we've got Audible. And uh, other services, iTunes, where you can, you know, download audio books. Um, I'm one of these people, if I can get it for free or cheap, I'll do that before paying for it. So, <laughs> That's so, a I, philosophy. So, I, so when somebody tells me you need to read my book, I'm always, well, uh, let me check and see if it's available at the at NLS first. <laughs> That's smart. That's very smart. Well, let's stay on this topic because you, you have a website called, or your blog is titled Just Ask at theblindblogger.net. Well, that's my email address. Oh, the, okay. the, the blog, the blog URL, just not you know, so we don't confuse anybody. The okay. URL is theblindblogger.net. Oh, perfect. So. Thank you for that clarification. Thank you for that. Okay, so with that said, and as we're talking about your blindness, how do you do this? 
and I don't want to get too, too technical because I probably won't necessarily understand the different tools and technologies, but I think that it, that begs the question because as we think about blogging, I mean, you think about sitting at a computer and typing. So I'm sure it's not that simple, or maybe it is. Tell me how you do it. Well, you know, it's okay. I, I think I've finally come to understand this question a little better as I'm as I've been answering more often. Um, to me, it is not difficult. It's not something I even really think about as far as the complications of blogging. Because as you know from running your show, I'm sure you have a blog with the show. Mm -hmm. As you know, it's it's there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. You know, you have to come up with the idea, then you have to write the post, then you have to edit it. Then you have to have the guts to press send to publish right. it to you because <laughs> people, people out there who think that the nerves go away, well, then somebody, people are lying to y'all because the nerves never go they away. They never so go hope, away. You're exactly right because you can I think something's really people. great and profound, and then you get no response. All you can think is, man, that was a bust. Yeah, I know. And then you have to you have to promote the post, yeah. and Lord willing, you get comments, you have to reply to the comments, and you know, <laughs> thankfully you reply to the comments. Yes. Yes. Uh, and hopefully your replies don't get don't get criticized or hated on. Um, you know, then you know if somebody may decide to share your post on their site, and then you have more interaction you have to you know follow up with. Right. Uh, the social media websites, you know, there's a bunches of them, and there's always new ones, and there's always the next one that everybody says you have to be on this site. And I'm like, you know, for example, I just recently got to where I feel pretty comfortable with Pinterest. And everybody's like, you got to be on Instagram. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I had uh, had used Google Hangouts on air and decided I didn't like them because the, the system wasn't as accessible as it could be. But in that case, I was happy when people said, you got to try Blab or Periscope. So and there's always something new. But here's the thing. Uh, to me, it's not all that technical or all that difficult, but it's. You have, to, you have to remember, I've been blogging for seven years for my first blog, two mm -hmm. years for the second blog. So a lot of things that don't seem like a big deal to me anymore, at one time they were hard. You know, um, I use one of the one of the best things I have, have going for me is uh, I use a program called Mars Edit, which is a third-party app for, for Mac users. Mm -hmm. I wish there was a Windows version because it makes the actual writing of a post so much easier. Um, when I was in school, one of the things people encouraged me to do was to learn how to type. So typing and using computer keyboard, you know, that's all second nature to me and having an app where basically all you're having to do is type and then you use arrow keys to find the places where you messed up and, and hopefully edit them. You know, you use the spell checker and all of this is, is been is run with a screen reader, which is a which is a two-part device. You have a sound card that creates the noise and you have an application that helps you uh, organize what what the sounds are and be able to navigate around the screen. It's not as easy as doing it with sight, and it takes me longer to do most things that, that people who can see them do them. But most of the things, there are ways you can find to do them. However, there, you know, there are some things that are that are more difficult or things that I don't know how to do right this minute, and that's where it's great to have you know friends online I like to tell people the blogosphere is a very friendly, supportive place. If more people knew how, how great the people are out there, more people would have blogs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, if you just let it be known that you're struggling with something, somebody will come along and offer to help. That is either. so true. Yes, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, the real problem online is so many people out there online who don't have the the courage or who have been deceived into believing that they're not supposed to ask for help. Mm-hmm. 
because I agree with you. If you let people know that you're struggling with something, they will either send you a resource or give you some pointers or even offer to do it for you. And, you know, even people that charge for services, sometimes the first time they help you, they'll do it for free or they'll do it for less than their usual rate that they would charge people. That's just the way the blogosphere is. But, you know, people have it, that myth in their heads that if they're going to be a business person or a blogger, if they're going to be rich and famous or even well-known and, and moderately successful, they have to know it all. And that's just not the truth. That's that's one of the big fat lies of the Internet and and the world in general. I think is that I, you have to know it all. Yeah, and I agree with that. And, and, and feeling that that thought process of I have to know it all is very stressful. I have been there. And I think I like to say the older I get, the wiser I get, and that's what you hope anyway, right, that, that you get a little bit smarter as you get older, so it's not all in vain. But that's what I have really determined is, although there are some things I probably can do, there, there's, there are things I shouldn't do. Just because you can do doesn't mean you should do. And some of that goes along with not knowing how to do it, but other times it's just about your capacity. You should right. be spending your time on the things that you are good at. And there are things that you aren't great at that other people do in their sleep. <laughs> I right? I mean, they do it in their sleep. So why are you wasting hours and hours and hours trying to figure out something that somebody else is just naturally gifted to do? And that's right. how and that, I've come to think about some things. Right. And that, that leads me to one point. I always want to, want to make sure that I mention this in anytime, we, anytime I talk to people about asking for help. And that is one of the things that real really seems to provide an aha moment for people about asking for help is this. If you if you decide not to ask for help, if you if you choose to do it all on your own and don't put your hand up and say, I'm I, I'm in, I'm in trouble here, I need help, you are robbing other people of the joy that comes from helping another human being that the, that the only thing you can do for them is say thank you. That's so true. You are robbing them of mm -hmm. peace, pleasure, joy, mm -hmm. excitement. They've, many people have spent years and thousands of hours getting to the point in their career or their lives where they're at now, and they have all this knowledge, experience, talent, skills, and in many cases they are underappreciated, and they just can't wait for somebody to come along and go, man, you really know that stuff? I can't figure that stuff out for nothing. Could you please <laughs> help me? It's true. You know, I'll, I'll give you a, a real live and recent example of that, and I'll exclude all names from my from my story. But I I host a conference every year, my Faith to Conquer Fear conference, and in June of 2016, I will be hosting the fourth annual Faith to Conquer Fear conference. And one of the things, what I love about doing this conference is I love pulling the speakers in, I love creating the content, I love designing the flow, I love everything about creating this conference except the marketing, <laughs> except the most important part which is getting people or getting butts in the seats, as I like to say. And so I had sent out an email to two of my, my two people, two marketing people in my network, um, just asking the question, hey, do you know anybody who can do these three things specifically? I may need them to do more, but at a minimum, I need some help in these three areas with marketing this upcoming conference. And I was a little, uh, I'm a little bit more, um, focus this year because I have, in the last three years, I have, my conference has been in my home state, in Ohio or Kentucky. And so this year, I'm taking a big leap of faith, as I call it. It's not a leap for God, but for me, it's a leap of faith, and moving the conference to Greensboro, North Carolina. 
Um, and that's part of my ongoing vision is to, to be able to host this conference across multiple states throughout a year. But anyway, so I ended up talking to these people, and the, and the one lady I ended up talking to last, we, it took us forever to connect between her schedule and mine, and we ended up talking, and uh, she's, as we were talking, I'm waiting for her to tell me the names of some people so I can contact these folks and get this work done. And she tells me, she said, you know what, she said, you need to do this and this and this and this and this for your conference. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know this already. I know what to do. I just don't want to do it. She's <laughs> 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 like, you need to do this and this, and we need to automate and blah, blah, blah. And as I think back on the conversation, she kept saying we. She kept saying we. And I'm like, okay, great. We, Yeah, I got it. I know all I need to do. And all I can think about in my mind is, oh, my God, how much time is this going to take me? How much time is this going to take me? How much? And how much is going to cost me, right? That's the other thing in the back of my mind. Yeah. And then, yeah. then at the end of her spiel, and I'm sitting there waiting with bated breath, how much is this going to cost me? She said, I'd like to offer you my services. Now I'm really holding my breath going, oh, God. <laughs> she said, I'd like to offer you my services for free. I'd like to offer you my marketing services for free. And, and she's not just some fly-by-night. She, Her job is marketing, right? She gets paid by companies for marketing. And I thought, huh. And I, literally, I probably said, huh. Because I'm so not used to people making that offer to help me. I'm always, I feel like, I'm sure that's not the case, but, you know, sometimes you feel like you're always the one giving, giving, giving. And when somebody finally comes back to you and says, I'd like to do this for you because I believe in what you're doing. That's what she said. I believe in what you're doing. So I want to help you get to where it is that you want to be. And I was just floored. I was absolutely floored. But back to your point, she said, I just, she had just landed a new job. Um, she said, I feel like I'm being paid what I'm worth. I'm finally being paid what I'm worth and I want to pay it forward. Yeah. And, and I, I want to, and I'm like, wow. But that's to exactly to your point. When you don't allow people to do what they are gifted to do, you rob them of their blessing. Because I could have, I could have screwed it all up and went, oh no, 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 I would never ask you. No, I didn't say a word, but thank you, <laughs> thank you. After I started wiping my tears, and, and and that's and that's the hardest part because we are so conditioned to people wanting to lead lead us up to to a, to a charge. Or, to charging us or to a big pitch uh, or to telling us what we have to do or should be doing. When somebody says, yeah, I want to do it for you, how many people do you think would have said no or would have been skeptical or suspicious to the point of they wouldn't have accepted the blessing when they got it? Right. That's right. I'm telling you. And and, and when it came, you know, because your first instinct, because anytime you're in business, if you've been in business or, gosh, for that matter, just lived for a while, we've all been cheated, scammed something by somebody and so you you know you 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 build up a little bit of a wall when people offer you offer to help because you're really wondering what's their end you know yeah. there's some, something behind the help I'm sure at some point but I, I I tell you I was I was just thrilled amazed and thankful because I had actually been praying for for her I didn't know it was her but I had been praying for that as I had been praying for this conference and all the things and resources that I knew would be needed that was high on my list. So when she came through, I thought, my God, that, <laughs> how amazing are you? Um, so I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, and that's a, that's another thing. You were praying for it. You were putting yourself out there in the world, telling God the universe you needed it. But when it came, 
you accepted it in the form that it showed up in as opposed to waiting for it to show up in the exact way that you were praying for Right. It, which that's is something true. a lot of people have trouble with. That's true. That's true. Because that's the thing. I think we, when we trust God and we pray, we do have in our minds, because we're flesh, we're human, right? We have in our minds how we think he's going to show up. And so when it shows up very differently, you know, you know there's that story of, you, I know everybody's heard this story about the man who was, I think, stranded on an island. And he's praying to God, Lord, please save me. Lord, please save me. And when the time finally came, he I guess he got to heaven because he died. God said, well, hey, I sent you a boat. I sent you this. I sent you that. But it was none of what the guy expected. So he was like, no, no, no. God's going to save me. <laughs> but God had already sent him all of these three different ways to be saved. And because it didn't look like what he expected it to look like, he didn't accept it. So... Well, Maxwell, I want to talk for a minute about your carnival background. How cool is this? You have to be the per first person I've ever had on my show who has a carny background. Yep, that's uh, one of the things that is unique and memorable about me. And when people tell me that, you know, if you weren't blind, you wouldn't get as much attention, I'm like, no, you're wrong, because I'm still the only carnival owner that most people know. I'm still the only amusement equipment broker that most people know. So. Uh, my story is 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 uh, is pretty good either way, but yeah, I grew up in a family. Uh, my first job on the Midway was five when my grandmother realized that the best way to keep us all out of mischief was to put us to work. Uh, she was one of those women who, if you ever told her you were bored, that meant that you need a job. So, <laughs> so if you ever mentioned that word out of your mouth, you were going to be wrapping change or scrubbing canvases or. Okay sticking apples to prepare them to be dipped in can candy or caramel or, uh, you know, doing something. She was very imaginative in coming up with things for, for kids to do that didn't have nothing better to do. Um, you know, and later on, uh, I was allowed to box the popcorn and put the butter on it and uh, put the snow cone syrup on the snow cones. Mm -hmm. And uh, later on when my dad bought some rides and he was short of help some weeks they would let me lift on the heavy stuff and help them get ready to open so uh you know at one point being a big guy was a good thing so i was you know able to lift on the heavy carnival equipment and help them get set up and take down every week uh, i used to run a kids game i had a duck pond for most of the time i was was working games where they would pick up the ducks and we would add up the numbers and tell them what prize they won. They won something every time, which was always, uh, I always preferred working games where they won. I used to tell people, uh, we don't allow any crying on this end of the midway. That's that we, we leave that for the other end. You know, this is, <laughs> this is kitty land. This is the magic kingdom part of the midway down here. I even had a rule. If somebody picked up three ducks in a row that had number one on them, I would throw one of those ducks back, because it made my duck pond look bad. Mm -hmm. There were, you know, there were, there were more, there were, you know, there were, there were plenty of good numbers in there. Some kids just because they liked certain colors or certain shapes or certain deformities in the ducks would, and I would throw them back because it, like I say, it made it, it made the game look bad. And plus, some of those prizes that they got for three, I just really didn't want to give them anyway. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> wow, now, you reference being a big guy. But I also read in your bio that you lost 250 pounds. What's the story there? Yeah, um, I was, uh, you know, for years I was fat. Um, my I weighed in at 512 when I when I had my first weigh in for the gastric surgery to prepare to have the surgery. 
My brother has a picture of me working my kitty one of my kitty games where he swears I look like I weighed over six hundred. Wow. Yeah, and you know I was I was yeah, I was eating pretty well. Uh, I had even you know since I was no longer traveling with the Midway, my diet was much better than it ever was when I was Carnian. Um, you know, I was eating lots of things that were were good for me. Uh, you know, lean meats, vegetables. Um, most of the time, we didn't even have anything sweet or anything you would consider uh, a dangerous food in the house. But I wasn't losing any weight, so my doctor convinced me to go at least listen to the seminar. And when I went there, I found out that gastric surgery is not a guaranteed thing. It's not a quick fix. It's not admitting that you're a failure or that you're quitting or giving up because I found out that that only about half half the people who have gastric surgery lose 80 to 90 percent of the weight that they want to lose, and in quite a few cases, people who have surgeries even gain weight, or the weight they lose doesn't stay off long before they put it back on. So, you know, once I realized that it wasn't uh, that it wasn't admitting failure and giving up, that it was going to still require hard work, I was all in because you know I'm one of these people. I'm almost happier if it takes hard work. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of suspicious, as a lot of people are, if things come too easy. So, you know, and that was the image I had of, of gastric surgery. You know, they, they, you go into the hospital, you come back from the hospital, and you never want to eat again. Mm -hmm. So, but you have to change your diet. You have to continue, you have to get uh, more regular exercise. You take supplements. Um, one of the hardest problems with, with the surgery that I've had is that your body doesn't process the food like it used to, so you have to take more of certain types of food in, and the one the one big one is protein, and I have to get 80 to 90 grams of protein every day, mm. and that that may not sound like a lot, no, that until, like a you, lot. until until you until you start figuring out what it takes to come up with 80 or 90 grams, but if it's a you have to actually plan your meals out through the course of a day and your snacks to make sure that you get to that protein. I I like to use a football metaphor. Um, you know, they talk about being behind the chains if a, if an offense doesn't get at least three or four yards on first down. And I like to say if you don't get if I don't get at least twenty grams of protein the first with my first meal, then I'm behind the chains the rest of the day. So, mm -hmm. it's, but it's hard. It's uh, but the the best thing is is my my family they they changed a lot of their eating habits right along with me. The portions that they prepare for for meals now is much smaller than it used to be. Mm -hmm. We don't even have leftovers anymore, and if we do, like for Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners, we'll have leftovers then. But uh, that's where it's good that we've got other family who still eat like we used to. Right. <laughs> well, they they love us to. Come over and bring plenty of food with us, and leave it and leave it at their house, and they'll be more than happy to bring the dishes back when they're through. I bet, I bet. Well, you know that's that's a great part of the story there, and we're we're running out of time, so I can't delve into it a whole lot more. But that's a great part of your story is that it, really your family was very supportive of you, and that's I think the challenge with any weight loss program, whether it's through gastric bypass, whether you're just trying to lose 10 or 12 pounds, but you have children to still cook for and a husband to cook for, and they're still eating one way and you're trying to do something different, it makes it very hard. So it sounds like you had a very supportive family that, that helped as well. Yeah, and it's, it's not just with the, with the weight loss, but also with, with anything. One of, the, one of the things that, you know, people who are starting new businesses or blogs or podcasts, one of their biggest problems is 
finding somebody in their circle of friends or their family who understands what it is they're trying to do yeah. or that they want to do. You know, I've, I've exchanged emails and talked with lots of bloggers and online business owners who well, like my family, that not only do they not get what I'm trying to do, <laughs> they don't make an effort to try to get what I'm trying to do. So, and uh, that's one of the main reasons why when I decided to, to write the book, Leading You Out of the Darkness into the Light, A Blind Man's Inspirational Guide to Success, the, one of the reasons why I insisted on including my email address in there for people to use when they go through the exercises was because I wanted them to have at least one voice that would be a friendly supportive voice, somebody who's been through a lot of the same stuff they have, and who, if I don't understand the exact project they're involved in, I will at least, you know, Google it and figure out some of the language to where I can understand what the heck they're talking about, mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful. Well, we're going to wrap up, uh, Maxwell, as I knew it would be. We've had great conversation, and I don't think there's been a lull in the conversation. We could probably talk for two or three more hours for sure. But I want to give you an opportunity. We just you just mentioned your book right there at the end. But I want to give you a chance to let people know how to contact you, how to get a copy of your book, and anything else you want to share for folks before we go. All right, it's theblindblogger.net is the website. On Twitter, I'm at Maxwell Ivy. Um, the the website theblindblogger.net. If uh, there's anything you don't find that you need, you can email me. There's a link on there to get the book either from Amazon in electronic format or create space in print copy, or you can email me just ask at theblindblogger.net, and I can send you out a an, an autographed copy of the book. Those are for sale on the website. And coming soon, we're going to have it up on Audible. It's going to be available in in audio as well, which is really a really cool thing. And, uh, you know, speaking of opportunities that come along, there's a woman named Anna Bengala who wants to start offering a service of recording people's books so they can submit them to Audible. And guess who she decided to ask to be her guinea pig? So, yeah. Uh-huh. That's something people have been asking me about for a while. When is it going to be available on audio? And I'm like, well, when I figure out how, we'll do it. And lo and behold, there comes the how. So, how about that? So, uh, but the one thing I want to remember to tell people is that this is my core belief. It's the one thing I do every day is do what you can as well as you can today and then either do it better or do more tomorrow. I think that's a great, great life lesson or a life, um, I'm losing my words, but I think that's fantastic. Maxwell, thank you so much for being a guest on the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Faith and Conquer Fear radio show with me, Christy Demetrakis. I invite you to follow me and the show on Blog Talk Radio to get news and reminders for upcoming shows. I'd also like you to connect with me on Twitter at cdemetrakis is my handle and Facebook on Faith to Conquer Fear and the Empowered Speaker pages. This will allow you to keep up with all the news and events to inspire you to keep it moving. I'm doing what I love. Talk to you soon. <laughs>